The NFL Scouting Combine begins this morning in Indianapolis, and it'll be the first chance to start, you know, really, really, really thinking about who might be not the Steelers' top pick, but who might be among the Steelers' top three. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. The subject that I want to bring up today is one that I think is going to weigh a lot over the next month and change in advance of the actual main event, and that's position of need. You're going to hear it a ton. You're going to talk about it a ton. You're definitely going to hear me talk about it a ton. And it's not, I think, what most people think it is. Position of need in the Steelers organization right now is inside linebacker. We can agree on that one, right? We can also agree that a position of need would be the cornerback slot opposite Cam Sutton, presuming that Cam gets signed, right? Outside corner. Those are positions of need as related, I think, to free agency. They are immediate needs. They're not positions at which you could bring in some kid from college, not even maybe possibly out of the first round, and expect them to just go out there and fix things. Whereas you saw the impact over last summer and then into the season of bringing in Mason Cole and James Daniels on your offensive line. Took them a little while too, but they got there a lot faster than any rookie would. You saw on the other side of the ball, Miles Jack. Talked about him yesterday. Came in and really kind of stabilized things. An inside linebacker looked like he was going to be a nice mentor to help bring Devin Bush along. And Bush did get better, certainly over what he was in 2021. Just not good enough to be keeping around. But Jack did his job. Larry Ogunjobi was brought in to solidify a great glaring hole around Cam Hayward. Did that. Fine. You're addressing an immediate need. What I'm thinking of when I think of the draft is addressing a longer term, more foundational need. Now, why can't that be the same thing? Well, I don't think that it is the same thing. Because there's a different value that you place on a player who can help you right away or one that you think can eventually become something that's truly special. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. Let's say, for example, that you draft, mm, how about like an Alex Highsmith who comes out of Charlotte? You know he's going to need some work. You know he's going to need some polish. Um, He's going to need to figure out how to attack advanced offenses versus the kind that he generally faced in college. And you say, listen, we're willing to take the time with this kid. We're willing to put in whatever is necessary to make something out of him. But right now... Right now, we have T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree as our outside linebackers, so we're not in any hurry here. Okay, 
this even this might not be the, the the best example that I could give because I don't know that anybody looked at Highsmith as being a super high end ceiling guy. But then, you know, he gets 14 and a half sacks this past season. Those are the kind of decisions that you make for the longer term. When I look at the Steelers taking, here's another one. And don't don't laugh this off. But Ryan Shazier coming out of Ohio State, uh, when he showed up at camp and he looked slight and he looked like he should have been with the safeties and sent him with the linebackers, you kind of had the sense that he was going to be one of those. But you wanted someone who could hold down that position for a long time. That was the aim with him. The difference was is Shea was so football nuts and football savvy and everything else that he wouldn't allow himself to come off the field, even in his very first time in Latrobe. So you might be looking for someone who's raw, who you feel can develop, who has uh, physical skills or mental aptitude that's just above and beyond, but they need polish. Well, they're not going to address your needs in 2023. This is why I keep emphasizing again and again that the Steelers, Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin specifically need to be aggressive in free agency in addressing first Cam Sutton from going anywhere. Can't underscore that one enough. Cornerback, inside linebacker, defensive line and left tackle. And if there's one that I'd leave off that list, it would be the last one. Why? Because the Steelers already have a left tackle in Dan Moore. And he's younger. And he doesn't deserve to be buried. So if you go ahead and draft a left tackle, or for that matter, a right tackle that you believe can swing to the other side, well, now you put yourself in a good, strong spot. Because you've got yourself someone that you can take your time with a little bit. Let him back up. Let him be on the depth chart. Keep him involved. Teach him the way things go. And then have him start when he's ready. But I'll really emphasize this on the defensive side of the line. Because this team has always been founded on its defensive line. It always should be founded on its defensive line. It is the franchise of Mean Joe Green. And from there, L.C. Greenwood and Dwight White and countless others over the years. It's been an extraordinary lineage. It's part of their identity. That one, that would be wonderful on just all levels. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Bruce, who says, Why isn't Heinz Ward even considered for the Hall of Fame? He played 14 years as the best wideout stat-wise that the Steelers have ever had. He said, I was a blue-collar player in a blue-collar town. Pittsburgh loved him. He caught everything thrown his way. Why? Well, Bruce, first off, none of the things you mentioned or anything that would go on to his Hall of Fame application, if such a thing existed. 
where you rank in Steelers history or how you fit in with the Steelers or the city of Pittsburgh is the kind of thing that would go into discussing whether or not he should be on the Steelers Hall of Honor role, which, of course, he should. But when you're talking about the Hall of Fame, look, some of this is unfair. Okay, let's start with that. He's a wide receiver. Therefore, he's going to be measured against other wide receivers statistically. Hines might have been the last of his kind at that position. You know how we're always talking about people who go into the Hall of Fame who are the first of their kind or who changed the game or something like that. Hines was the last of his kind. He was the last super crazy tough receiver who would get into Ed Reed's face and punch him in Baltimore. And we loved it in Pittsburgh. We thought that was the greatest thing ever. And Hines is a fierce competitor and he would fight off other people for the football. His catches were tough. His runs were tougher and his blocking was the toughest. Great. None of that's going to get him into Canton. None of it. Like I said, It's unfair. Why? The sport changes. Think of it this way. Do you remember the knocks, the long time knocks against Lynn Swan getting in? Depending on how far you go back, I'm not going to presume. But Swan primarily was held out of Canton because he'd only played nine years. So he didn't have much durability and he didn't have much in the way of numbers. What Swan had was... uh, impact, visual, dramatic circumstances in which he made his catches. And we all remembered them. We all remember the double tap to himself against Dallas. Why? Because we've seen it a million times and it was played with that glorious NFL films, music in the background and John Facenda narration. And it just seemed larger than life. And so did he. John Stallworth was probably a better wide receiver. But Swan was the one that you thought of as just being graceful and elegant. And then you know the whole backstory about his having um, learned a lot of his body control through ballet. Well, he eventually did make it, but he might not have. Why? Game changed. If you put Lynn Swan, a young baby face right out of USC, Lynn Swan, into the NFL today, I mean, he'd be a mega star. Why? Well, he'd get a lot more targets because the NFL is all about passing now. He wouldn't have anybody yanking at his shirt at the line of scrimmage or giving him that chip inside five yards, all that stuff that they used to be allowed to do. Never mind ripping your head off if you try to go across the field. And he'd be a a megastar. He'd be Justin Jefferson or whatever. But that's the unfairness of it. Uh, Same goes for Heinz. But in the reverse, Hines was the last of his kind. And I don't believe that he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. I do believe that he'll have his day uh, with the Steelers and their Hall of Honor. Again, obviously. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.